Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, arise Sir Michael Jones. Vanuatu football remains on a high, and FIFA World Cup qualifying resumes in Oceania. But first, Tofaiva Stadium has been given the all clear to host Tonga's Pacific Nations Cup rugby tests against Samoa and Fiji next month. The Ikalitahi have not played on home soil since 2009 while next Friday's test against Wales had to be relocated to Auckland. The Tonga Rugby CEO, Fea Vunipula, says they can't wait to play in front of their home fans. I can't thank uh, everyone from saying enough. Our government, Prime Minister, Deputy Prime Minister, uh, all the ones, the um, consultants who deal with uh, the pitch, the ground, the playing area, and also the contractors who are doing the work on the grandstand, uh, changing rooms and upgrading all those works, um, it's massive. It has been eight long years. The Kalita have been playing in exile, playing overseas, and you know, the Tongan people always uh, look forward to uh, bringing them home, hosting them here, and this is a golden opportunity for them to, uh, to perform here, particularly with uh, Rugby World Cup 20. 19 qualification against Fiji and Samoa. You know, uh, home advantage is huge. So hopefully we can draw on that, provide incentives and extra motivation for the boys to perform well. Ikalatahi really do need to win both of those games to, you know, get amongst those top two in the Pacific Nations Cup to obviously get that first opportunity at automatic qualification. That's right. Um, And you mentioned the grandstand and the changing rooms and uh, I guess some of the light fittings, that sort of thing, that that work to complete that stuff, is that still being completed as we at the moment? Yeah, um, works is uh, running uh, in accordance to a schedule uh, being set after the AGM. Also in the AGM, you know, we went around with uh, World Rugby personnel and had a final inspection and they, um, like you said, they gave us the thumbs up. Everything is uh, tip-top and ready to go. Less than two weeks now until Tonga is in action at Eden Park in Auckland as part of this Pacifica Challenge. Uh, obviously, that was a game you hoped was going to be in Nukualofa, but not to be. So you, you've got Wales at Eden Park as part of this uh, event, which also has the All Black Samoa. So that's a, a great occasion to be a part of as well. And uh, obviously, a, a squad will be named very shortly for that. So uh, exciting uh, to, to get the, the boys back on the field as well and a, a valuable match ahead of those World Cup qualifiers. Oh, it's wonderful uh, because you know, given that most of our players are New Zealand-based or New Zealand-born, you know, I think it's um, another extra bonus for, for them to uh, play in front, front of their their families, their friends and relatives uh, in New Zealand. So it's, it's all good for us. In terms of that game, because it was initially going to be a home game for Tonga, but, but now it's not, does does the Tonga Rugby Union get any money from the, the ticket sales or anything like that? Or? Yeah. Yes, that's our agreement. If the attendance uh, reach a certain threshold, there will be a distribution of funds 
to us in Samoa. And, you know, hopefully we will ex, uh, exceed the threshold and, you know, and we can uh, take advantage of uh, the opportunity being being afforded to us by uh, World Rugby and New Zealand Rugby Union. So uh, New Zealand and World Rugby putting, they're covering the costs of organising it and then, as you say, if enough people attend, Tonga and Samoa will then get some uh, some return from that. We are grateful to uh, all the opportunities that we have, uh, not only in, in the Auckland game, but you know, also in, in here in Tonga. You know, where rugby is doing all they can to, to help us uh, generate some much needed funds to help in running our union. So it's, uh, yeah, we, we are excited, you know, over the moon with all the arrangements that are in place. In, uh, in, in years gone by, the amount that the national players have received when they are on test duty has uh, obviously been up for debate. Uh, will there be a, you know, will the players get a, a set, a, a reasonable payment when they do come into camp at the end of this week? Unfortunately, um, we have been relying on, on government players' allowance and you know, players' salary, and you know, and that's that's the case for now. But you know, if we will have extra funds uh, generated from these matches, then obviously um, they are number one on the list. But, you know, um, I don't want to uh, promise that, you know, uh, a lot because that hasn't been the case uh, recently when I started. So, you know, I'd rather bring my cards to my chest. That's Tonga Rugby CEO Fe'au Funipula. The all-black great Michael Jones has been knighted in the New Zealand Queen's Birthday Honours List. Jones, who is also a former Manu Samoa player and coach, has gained a knighthood for his services to the Pacific community and to youth. He admitted to Megan Whelan that his new title sounded a bit odd and would take some getting used to. Absolutely, yeah, it really is. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping and I'm sure I will still always be called Bubs by my big sisters and Komiki by my niece and nephews and, and Iceman by my friends uh, um, but I'll have to just get used to Sir um, now and again. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel very, very humbled. But um, it's going to take a, a while to get used to it. Absolutely. <laughs> this isn't the, the first honour you've had, is it? You've been recognised quite a lot over over the years. Yeah, I was really privileged uh, uh, in 1997 to receive a, become a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit. And, um, yeah, that was really wonderful and that was more about my involvement with rugby. So I, I suppose this is quite special in the sense that it does relate to, I suppose, the work we've done with, within our Pacific Island community here in Aotearoa and particularly the, our youth to the work we do. So, yeah, I, I see it as a gift in, in a really wonderful way. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do? A lot of the, the work has, has been around youth development and, and just putting programs in place. I think, and I, you know, I really do honour a lot of the Pacific leaders who have gone before me and, and probably pioneered and paved a lot of the work around changing our, uh, I suppose, our lot in society here in Aotearoa because like any new migrant immigrant community, there's been a huge amount of challenges for us. We've done a lot of good things um, and great things and we've made some real positive contribution, but there's no doubt that we, you know, we still lag and, and they sometimes refer to the brown tail of society where, you know, with Māori, unfortunately, we might be in the wrong end of those social, economic, and, and health, and education indicators, etc. So, a whole lot of good people, and then I, I still work for a lot of these wonderful people. Our mission, I suppose, in life has been to shorten that brown tail. Hopefully, see it disappear in our lifetime, and would rather be the head and not the tail. But just putting in place programs and initiatives where we see 
gaps and needs um, to, to scaffold particularly young people from maybe being particularly disengaged from education. And we see the potential in all of them, but, but we need to, to help them on their journey to get re-engaged in education particularly and, and then move successfully into positive outcomes and successful outcomes so they can get real jobs, um, hopefully move into maybe even further tertiary education and, and get into some really good vocations. So we see that as a, education as a key. So a lot of the work has been around that and particularly here in Auckland. You've done a fair bit of education yourself. Yeah, I, I feel very privileged. I mean, I grew up in West Auckland. I'm born and bred and my father passed away when I was young, and they, both my parents were school teachers. So my dear mother, uh, who raised me with, with the help of the, you know, I'm a true believer it takes a village to raise a child, and I'm a product of that. Um, my uncles and aunties, my, my siblings, and, and then the wider community, they, they all shaped me and invested in me and supported me to, to, to pursue my dreams and aspirations. And, and education was something that was of value of our, in our home, um, and, and it was only natural that I... I didn't compromise my pursuit of sport by not sort of continuing to pursue education. It had to go hand in hand. So I'm grateful I did. Persevere was tough because, you know, we were full-time All Blacks at the time and still having to, 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 to go to university, get to lectures and sit exams, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm glad I did persevere. And it, it's been important for me because I've used those um, qualifications and, and, and the different vocations I've been involved in and the different work I do. The bottom line for me to to then hopefully be able to set up and, and, and encourage and inspire the next generation so that they really pursue education. I mean, you are inspirational. You you have a Matai title. You're, what is it, Laoli? Yes. Laoli? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, it's chiefly titled for us as someone. Yeah, that's a wonderful gift uh, too. And, that, and, you know, you're bestowed that when you've demonstrated that you've served your family um, you know, in significant ways. So I think it's a bit like a seer in the sense that it's a reflection of of when your community or your village or your people acknowledge that you, you know, that you, you've contributed and that you need to, that you're a leader and that you, you know, they're, they're sort of like they're reinvesting in you to keep going and keep doing what you do. So I, I, I'm very grateful to have that bestowed from my my Ainga or extended family back in Samoa. And, um, you know, that also is important to keep you connected and make sure you're very comfortable in your own skin and who you are and your identity. And, and that's something for a challenge for us in, uh, in New Zealand, Aotearoa, for a lot of our next generation is they're losing their connection and their, their sense of identity, and, and that's dangerous. Mm. So I think having a Matai title and... And all that that means is it just reaffirms who you are and your your Samoanness, so to speak. That's Sir Michael Jones speaking with Megan Whelan. The Vanuatu Football Federation says the performance of their national under-20s team at the World Cup has set a benchmark for future generations to aspire to. The Wontoks were beaten 3-2 against Mexico and Germany, either side of a 7-0 thrashing by Venezuela who have since advanced to the semi-finals. Vanuatu Football Federation CEO Albert Manaroto says the team proved they deserved their place. We knew what the responsibility of trying to deliver, not just on behalf of Vanuatu, but on behalf of Oceania as a second team, Oceania. So that was the challenge for us, and, and we're just glad that things turned out the way we expected. There must have been some pressure to, to show that you deserved that spot. 
we knew that and we that responsibility was all was also upon us and even throughout the campaign we, we kept reminding ourselves we were no Shania team, not necessarily just the one other team. Um but we also have a huge following in country. It's a number one game, so we I mean the pressure was always there. And we just happy that uh, you know, we made some tough decisions and it only not for here, but also in terms of the way we allocated ourselves and reallocated in our budget in house to make sure we, we could pull something off. The bottom line was to have a good performance at that level for the first time. Again, keeping in mind that, that scenario of our local pride as a nation and also responsibility groups, uh, our colleagues and in, in Oceania. In terms of the three individual matches in ball play, uh, Mexico, obviously a tough team, um, started difficult in the first half down 2-0 but the way the players responded to that you know they didn't get an early goal and try and hold on they they were in a difficult position but they found a way out of that and obviously very hard to concede so late in that game but uh you know that showed some character there's a lot of compliment that's also caused the the preparation which uh OFC were, were a big part of it and the team spent uh, two and a half months in New Zealand uh, before going off to Singapore and Korea on the services of a, a foreign coach, which was give more insights from a, from a higher level in, in, in the world standard of the game. So that was a commitment that was made you know, in, in hindsight of all the, of the expectations from us. I think what, what, what turned out at the end was that we, we got the feeling that you know, our boys are, let's say, coachable at that level, which is a good sign for us. And which points out to the future, and a lot of development is to focus more on on the grassroots level and upwards, and to the elite programs to make sure we can have that flow of, of the type of players we have in the uh, country. Even though we have a small population, I think that achievement was immense for us. While we arrived on Sunday, there was a reception by the government, which was the last thing we didn't know about. And there was a huge crowd waiting for the, for the boys. It's already putting us on a limelight in country and expectations. And obviously that uh, Venezuela game was a bit tougher, but uh, speaking to Lambert Meltock after that match, he you know mentioned there were some injuries which uh, they were able to exploit down that right-hand side, which um, Venezuela did very effectively, and obviously a, a strong performance against Germany in that last game, a, a massive country, a massive team. Um, what do you think the biggest learning is for Vanuatu out of this World Cup? What what have the players learned? What has Vanuatu football learned? What has the country learned, do you think, from this experience? You know, we, we come from a, a small country that has a lot of different cultures within the islands. It's about eight different languages. We were we are in the process of trying to find out what football suits us the best. And I think from a Vanuatu level perspective, um, that World Cup gives us a leadway into what are our best assets uh, in moving the uh, our football forward and the type of football we play. So that was from us uh, an opening. It gave us an idea. I mean, apart from Venezuela, and I mean, knowing that you know Venezuela knocked Brazil out of the tournament uh, in the in the qualifiers for the South America, so we were well aware of the fact that you know you may have eleven team players, but then you have teams like Venezuela who have eleven individual players, uh, probably twenty-two individual players who could change the game at any time. So that was always a challenge that we knew that before. And that was stressed by the, the, the coaching team. For the players, I think the impact on what has happened and given two games and knowing the background of the three teams, there's a lot to get back. We're just going through the processes now of, of, of reviewing everything. 
hopefully the you know the technical department can come up with the idea and actually point out the, the pros and cons of not only just the three matches but throughout the preparation stage and throughout the whole programs that we run in football yeah and I guess one of the great challenges is how you capitalize on this how you build on this and continue to grow you know you've got individual players like Bon Carlo who played for the national team already and a few others in that situation uh how do you ensure that what they've experienced in the last month or two or, or, or three is um, the first step on a bigger journey? This was already talked uh, here you know, during uh, our press conference, what was the prospect of this team you know, or some of the players being part of the national team. I think the, the answer was, was quite clear that all players are national players. Age categories doesn't matter. So we may have we may be seeing quite a few of them in the, in the national team towards in the, in the minigames, subsequent minigames which we host, and I think the government is already making commitment here. There's a lot of talk now as to what what should be achieved. And there's a lot of anticipation now as to how the Sonor intend to approach this, particularly after the World Cup and being that it's been played away from home. And this would be the first time, you know, they'll be seeing our young players. And they are, the, they are probably our best prospects for the future. And they will be a benchmark for the next generation of players to come in. Of course, a lot of other countries in Oceania, New Zealand, Fiji, New Caledonia, Tahiti, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, they still have some World Cup qualifying games to play. You're obviously out of that um, situation already, but are there any senior internationals coming up or is it... As you say, is it, is it that many games where you're going to be focusing on? So I think I think we just after the World Cup probably we'll have now to reflect on everything and and yes, I think we plan for some some games internationals. Estonia who comes in in November just before the World Cup, the senior they're from the senior team in Estonia, so they're traveling to one of I think via Fiji and New Caledonia, so that would be good for the team just before the mini games. Also, then we should probably have. Maybe one or two footballs before the Estonia game. It is on the 23rd of November. That's the Vanuatu football CEO, Albert Manarato. Stage three of Oceania qualifying for the FIFA World Cup resumes this week. New Zealand have already sealed top spot in Group A, but Papua New Guinea and Solomon Islands can still overtake Tahiti at the top of Group B. Both teams are tied on three points, and PNG coach Fleming Seretslev says they need four more from the next two games. If it will be a win for each team, for example, then Tahiti will be sitting back and laughing and uh, probably going on uh, to the next stage. It's really a very exciting situation uh, we have right now. But uh, I believe very much in, in my team and I believe we will be able to uh, to go on to the next stage. What's the approach to the first match in Honiara? Because I guess if you get a point away then you know you just need a win at home. Are you cautious for this one, or do you, do you go all guns blazing? No, um, <laughs> you say we, we just need a win. It, it's not so easy. Solomon has a has a good team, no doubt about this. They are very good uh, individuals, and we know that we will face a big crowd in uh, in Honiara because uh, Solomon Islands is really a, a football country. But we will have to use uh, this big crowd also as a motivation for us to make a good result there. And we are not coming uh, playing on, on one point. We are actually going there to win. And, uh, of course, Solomon's had a couple of games uh, recently against Fiji. I don't know if you managed to catch any of that footage. You could say it, uh, it's maybe a bit of an advantage for Solomon Island that they have had two uh, tough matches now against Fiji and uh, we will play them without having had any friendly matches. But uh, on the other hand... Uh, 
we come uh, very well uh, prepared. Our players are in a very good physical shape and uh, they've been playing very well here in the camp, so I'm actually optimistic. And yeah, so you guys have just been mainly in camp? Yeah, we have been uh, in camp now for more than uh, two weeks, uh, actually for 17 days or so. Uh, it's actually the good thing about being uh, a national team head coach here in the region is that uh, since you have most of the players from, from your own country, you can have a long camp before a qualifier. It's not the case, for example, if you're in Europe, you'll only have the, uh, the players three or four days before you uh, play because uh, the clubs uh, don't allow their players to go earlier. So in, in this matter, it's actually an advantage to be national team coach here in the region. That's the Papua New Guinea football coach Fleming Seretslev. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Finny Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.